What do life-saving devices, leather bags, and airplanes have in common? They are made right here in Oregon by ordinary small businesses doing extraordinary work every day. I'm your host, Linda Wexler. The Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast is a collaborative effort designed to advance Oregon's $1.2 trillion manufacturing industry by telling their untold stories. Hello, and welcome back to Season 2 of the Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Linda Wexler. Coronavirus has been impacting businesses around the world since January 2020. As of the making of this podcast, we've experienced 2.5 million cases in the United States alone. Due to public health initiatives, many businesses have temporarily shut down. Yet in most states, manufacturers are considered essential. We couldn't agree more about the essential nature of manufacturing. Not only do these businesses provide family wage jobs, they are the creators of products that we use every day, like food and medicine. This week, we're telling the story of two Oregon manufacturers who are making personal protective equipment, otherwise known as PPE. These are things like masks, gloves, and gowns that can help keep you protected from infection. As the economy begins to reopen, these products are in demand. Can we support local businesses while keeping ourselves safe? The answer is yes. Our first guest is Bill Amos, president of Kachatna Apparel Manufacturing, or CAM, out in Salem, Oregon. So, Bill, tell us a little bit about your company and what you do. Yeah, I'm uh, Bill Amos, president of Kachatna Apparel Manufacturing. We're cut and sew manufacturing facility based in Salem, Oregon. So we do a lot of manufacturing of technical outdoor apparel. That's kind of our main business. And then we also do contract sewing for a number of athletic wear brands and, and that kind of apparel. So aside from your current product mix, what kinds of PPE are you making at the moment? We're primarily making isolation gowns for hospitals and then cloth masks for kind of everyday wear. And then at the end of this month, July, we're going to start producing surgical masks for medical use. And you, your normal um, products fall under a different brand name, right? Where, where do you sell those products? Yeah. So our brand is uh, called Northwest Alpine. Mainly we sell on our website, northwestalpine.com. And we have a handful of, uh, of retailers, mostly kind of small specialty shops. So our primary focus with Northwest Alpine is on climbing apparel. So most of where we sell are kind of the small small shops that specialize in that. And then we also have distribution in, in Japan and then some in Europe as well. Have you had any new customers for what you've been producing as far as PPE for the isolation gowns and cloth masks? Or is it to the same folks that you're selling those things? No, completely different market. So we kind of when when things started, uh, when the crisis kind of started and became pretty evident that that there was a need for for the PPE products, we just kind of started reaching out to to hospitals to see kind of what their uh what their needs were, and so started working with some some buyers regionally for those, and kind of uh, yeah. So we've been working pretty much directly with uh, with the hospitals. It sounds like the hospitals reached out to you, and you and you decided to shift. What what kind of motivated you to decide to shift to making PPE? Definitely a couple things. One in March when kind of everything you know everything seemed to happen very quickly at once, and 
you know, a lot of uh, a lot of our regular customers, businesses, sales were hit pretty hard, and there was a lot of uncertainty. So nobody kind of you know knew what was going on. So a lot of our our regular customers on you know on the contract side started kind of cutting orders and and all that. And then at the same time, you know, we realized that the need was really great for for the PPE and for masks, and we partnered with another company another Oregon company that had a, a bunch of sales for, for cloth masks and started making those almost immediately. You know, it took us a while to, to kind of figure out materials for, for isolation gowns. And, you know, once we did that, I think it took about two weeks to get materials. So we were making, making, starting making those gowns in early April. Gotcha. And are you still, are you still making the gowns and the, and the masks? Oh yeah, absolutely. So We've got pretty sizable contracts, especially on the on the gown side, um, with some big hospital groups, and we're kind of expanding that business. So right now, I would say some of our other business, especially in the athletic apparel side, which is kind of interesting, has really bounced back. People working out at home and and all that sort of stuff. But probably PPE now is making up about, I would say, 80, 70 to eighty percent of what we're doing. Wow, that's a that's a huge shift for your company. And so, how has that affected your the way that you operate and your employees, kind of your day to day operations? Have you have you had to make a lot of changes? It hasn't been. It, it wasn't a huge shift from what we from what we normally do as far as the product is concerned. The so you know we're used to selling kind of you know apparel that sells for four hundred dollars. So we have like four hundred dollars jackets you know, $300 pairs of pants. And in those, like the quality has to be really good, right? So we have some some very talented, uh, talented folks. And kind of on the, you know, on the isolation gown side, you know, it's not a fashion statement. They don't have to be like beautiful or perfect. So, you know, it's it's more important that that we're able to to meet the volume needs that you know, that the, that the healthcare providers need. So getting our people to kind of move, you know, move faster and not worry about everything being perfect has probably been the biggest challenge. As far as staffing goes, we've actually, we probably, since the, since the crisis started, we started another shift. So an evening shift, and then we've probably brought on about maybe 15 people and then hiring another, another 10 to 20, uh, depending on if a couple of contracts go through. Wow, so it's like you've had to make a, a shift in, in the way that you that you make products in the sense that some of the original goals that you might have had for making your product products or the objectives or the markets like have shifted to like a different set of criteria, it sounds like. And then on top of it, where other companies are decreasing their staff, it sounds like you're increasing your staff to accommodate um, the volume demand there. And so that's that's really interesting and, and good to hear. What, what has been your biggest challenge so far in making PPE? A couple things. So especially the beginning, materials were an issue just because you know, this this need caught everybody off of guard. So it took a while for the domestic mills to really ramp up ramp up production of the fabrics and raw materials. Almost nobody was allowing export of um, of these materials either for pretty much anywhere. So there was, there was one scenario in early April where uh, there's a Canadian fabric su- supplier based in Canada that, that we use during normal times for, for some of our products. And 
they had uh, some fabrics that have been tested for the and, and and certified for the different levels of isolation gowns, and they were you know about to about to ship to customers in the U.S. and the Canadian government came in and said, "No, you can't do that. That has to stay here." So a lot of that was happening. Uh, in the last few months, though, it seems like the mills have been able to to pick it up a little bit. I mean, it's still not everything is immediately available or anything like that, but it's, you know, the supply is getting better for sure. Well, that's good to hear. So aside from that, have you, has your company had any challenges just overall due to the COVID-19 pandemic? Kind of early on, you know, I started paying attention to what was happening in China in January and kind of assumed that it was going to be a big deal considering that China probably wouldn't shut down their entire economy and, and, you know, go through with the largest quarantine in human history unless it was a big deal. You know, well, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's not going to be a big deal here. So we were kind of preparing for that. Anyway, we started wearing masks really early and then, you know, implemented a pretty big cleaning regimen early as well. So, I mean, that's kind of like our, our biggest biggest fear we want to make sure that our you know our employees stay healthy and you know that we're able to to continue operating because of you know I feel like what we're doing is pretty important and kind of necessary for for what's going on right now well it sounds like you've had to over the past gosh maybe 3 or 4 months now make a huge shift in where your company um is heading. And it sounds like you've had some great success um, so far in doing that, which um, kudos to you and for um, seeing the need and responding to it. Um, Do you have any words of advice for other manufacturers who are out there that would be interested in making a shift like you've made or even more specifically making a shift to producing PPE? You know, I think that that these products are are very important. I I mean, I've been kind of a a proponent of American manufacturing for for the last decade since I started Northwest Alpine, and you know, I feel like I've been I've been kind of tilting at windmills for the last ten years, getting people to understand how important it is, and I feel like we finally. You know this this scenario scenario has really shown that oh man we need to make we need to make this stuff here again. So I think there's a big market opportunity for people, and I think that it's a, a worthy cause. And I don't think that that the demand is going to go anywhere. That being said, uh, I also think that we need to have a uh, kind of a national discussion about where we want these products to be made moving forward. So my fear is that, you know, after China, who has traditionally supplied 60% of the PPE to the to the world, you know, comes back on online in a bigger way that that they're going to be allowed then to flood our market with low cost imports, which, you know, will kill a lot of the domestic manufacturers because there's no way we can, can, can compete. So essentially China has subsidized this industry in a major way for the last 15 years and essentially you know our our hospital system and healthcare providers have gotten used to you know paying what is essentially cost for these for these products so it, when companies are subsidized by the Chinese government they don't have to make a profit they get money to build factories all of that and so essentially you know when we're allowing unlimited imports of these these cheap products 
we're saying that our manufacturers now have to compete against the People's Bank of China, which, you know, is obviously not a fair competition. Thank you so much, Bill, for sharing Cam's story with us today. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure that your story will help to inspire other manufacturers to get into maybe shift into a different area that they hadn't considered before. And PPE might be that place for them to um, shift their company. So um, thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Our second guest, USIA, was established in 1987. I'll let CEO Trip Han tell you their story. Hi, Linda. How are you today? Good. How are you, Trip? We're doing great. We're in the middle of a mask run right now for our community um, here in Columbia County. So USIA, uh, we're a veteran-owned manufacturer based here in St. Helens, Oregon. Uh, we've been around since 1987. Our specialty is waterproof equipment. Uh, we specialize in high quality craftsmanship and custom dry gear, such as dive suits, waders, waterproof accessories. Our customers are a mix of scuba divers, hunters, fishermen, and professionals. And we also fulfill contracts to every branch of the U.S. military and the local community, such as public servants for emergency management and rescue services. So how how did you get into or how did you start um, making PPE? What motivated you to start making PPE? So right around March 15th, when this became very real for us here in America, uh, we saw our traditional orders dry up, government spending, everything was put towards PPE, recreational pursuits went down. So as our orders dropped and that call went out, for any manufacturer that can to make PPE, we quickly got in contact with OMEP and our, our consultant, Sheila. She's been incredible. And um, she helped us uh, design a gown. And within 10 days, we had switched over to producing gowns. So what does PPE production look like at, at your facility? So within 10 days that we've decided to make that decision to switch to PPE, uh, we had gotten in contact with OMEP and our consultant, Sheila, uh, helped us design and implement a lean cell to produce gowns. Uh, we were working in conjunction with a local Oregon nonprofit called HMB50, and their mission was to provide American-made isolation gowns for the local community. So we got their design from them, and with Sheila's help, we designed the lean cell. And once we finished that order, um, we then switched over to masks. Uh, we did the same process. We got Sheila in here on the whiteboards in the office, and we mapped out what that cell looks like and started making masks. You probably had to do a lot of that relatively quickly. What was the what was the thing that happened that motivated you to make that shift? Part of our mission has always been to protect those that protect us. And we've been making protective equipment for first responders for 30 years. So it, we can sell anything and it was a natural fit. As soon as we knew that there was a need, we started receiving phone calls just off the street of people asking us to make PPE. Uh, we got the call from the federal government. Uh, since we're part of the defense industrial base, they called on all manufacturers to start producing PPE. So it, with with our skill set and, and with our mission, it was a perfect fit. Sounds like it. What have been um, in, in that whole process, what have been uh, some challenges that you've had in shifting to making PPE? Our lack of knowledge or materials for supply chain. Uh, it's been a it's been a learning experience. We were 
on the phone with other manufacturers for 12 hours a day when we're all working together, trying to source material, trying to find uh, domestically made material, um, trying to navigate the complex FDA regulations and requirements. So it sounds like, yeah, there's been a couple hurdles there that you've that you've had to overcome to start making the PPE. Um, and now that you've that now that you've been working on producing PPE, have you um, has how has that affected your production processes, your employees, or the way you do things kind of day to day? It's been actually very good for us uh, as an organization. I, I have a personal mission to never lay off an employee. I want to make sure that they always have they can depend on that paycheck. And when our orders started drying up, that was a major concern. So it's been, it's kept everyone employed. Um, it's allowed us to streamline some processes. I mean, we are adaptable to begin with, but we're also an older organization. So it's, it's good for us to, you know, be able to implement something with a week to 10 day turnaround, uh, you know, from cradle to grave to start a production line. Great. Have you had any additional challenges, say, like finding the right market or the or new customers for your new product line? Or has it has the demand been pretty high and pretty direct? Has that been an easy process? It's, it's been a mix. From the beginning, we were contacted by that nonprofit HMB 50. And that was the first order. And it was for the local community here and encumbered our line for about a month. Uh, and then after that, we went to masks and we've done some masks for the local community here, but navigating the, you know, the healthcare supply chain, it's been difficult. I mean, we, the same thing with the materials. We've had to learn a lot. We've had to make new contacts and we're still learning every day. I mean, you've been in business for quite some time um, and have likely weathered quite a few storms over that time. How has COVID-19 and the pandemic affected your business and how how is it different from other challenges you have faced in the past? Uh, we obviously have survived the, the downturns in the past, uh, but with this particular pandemic, uh, the first thing that we saw, Gil, were the government orders. And then the next thing we saw were uh, recreational orders. People stopped diving, people stopped fishing um, as the uh, stay-at-home orders went, went out across the country. And honestly, making PPE is what's kept us alive. We're starting to see more and more recreational. I feel like people are getting a little uh, cabin fever. So they're getting out, they're starting to spend a little bit of money and, and purchase our dry suits and waders. Uh, it's still not where it was before the pandemic, uh, but we're we're hopeful that as we get through this, it will start picking up again. So your your typical customer base are first typically pers- first responders um, and are the ones that are the on the front lines of a, any disaster or high conflict situation. Correct. Have they have they taught you anything about how to respond to this crisis? They have so. Part of what we do as a small manufacturer is a lot of custom solutions. So very commonly, we get calls from our users saying, I need a suit that has a zipper on this side, that has the Velcro facing this way, that has these features, and they expect a very quick turnaround time. So we've learned to adapt and have a streamlined R&D process. So it's it's really helped us adapt to creating PPE, something that we've never, we've never made a mask or a gown before. So, you know, that experience in the past has, has helped us do that quick turnaround. Do you have any words of advice that you could share with other manufacturers in Oregon who want to keep their business growing and successful during this challenging time? I would say take care of your employees first in your local community. Just 
supporting them and letting them know that they're always going to have a job. They've been very loyal and they'll work long hours and they've they've helped us get through this with our, our first order. We were here, I was even here 15 hours a day, making sure that this order got out and we all worked together as a team. Yeah. Other than that, do lots of research, make a lot of phone calls and rely on your network. So has your company made any innovations in face masks um, in order or other PPE in order to address comfort, performance, or breathability issues? Yes. Uh, innovation and commitment to quality are part of our core values. Uh, with feedback from our customers and professionals in the field, uh, we've been able to and will continue to adapt our face design, mask design to create a more streamlined, accessible product. Uh, we're currently using a material called BioSmart, which has a antimicrobial um, mechanism in the fabric, which kills 99.9% of all viruses and bacteria. So that's just an example. We've been very active at looking for new material design, more comfortable masks. As, as everyone knows now, a badly designed mask is not comfortable to wear for 12 hours a day. So we've been taking a lot of feedback from medical professionals and, and we're making little design changes every production run to try and make a better product. Trib, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing USIA's story with us today. Yeah, thank you, Linda. Thank you for listening to the Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast. To learn more about manufacturing in Oregon, visit manufacturingmattersoregon.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.